ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up to the Bread and Circuses podcast, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy the clown show. Welcome back once again to, uh, yeah, the thing with the stuff. And I'm here with, uh, you are the guy. Hello. <laughs> this is Rooster here for the Bread and Circuses podcast with Crow. Hello. And welcome to our Royal Family Intrigue special. <laughs> Let's jump right into the news that everyone's talking about. Well, first, I was just pointing out that I was doing my Joe Biden impression. It was good. Thank you. <laughs> so back to it because people are clamoring to hear this. Meghan Markle. It's clamoring, you racist. And Prince Harry sat down with Oprah for a shocking interview that still has two nations buzzing. Uganda and Norway. I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think two nations are buzzing. I don't think anybody fucking cares. Well, just for the pe- people that are under a rock that don't know, among other headline-making revelations, uh, American-born Meghan Markle told the talk show queen Oprah that palace representatives were concerned about her unborn son's skin color and didn't offer help when royal pressures drove her to thoughts of suicide. You know, she's now pregnant with their second child. So she revealed that at least one person in the palace expressed concerns about the skin color of the Sussex's first child. I like saying that. So Sussex's. He's Archie Harrison... Mountbatten Windsor. He was born uh, last year. Um, and then she goes, there was also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he was born. Now, the ITV royal editor, Chris Ship, tweeted, this is very strong and the palace will face serious questions. I mean, wow. That's no, they, serious. No, they won't. <laughs> so, I mean... uh we, we knew there was going to be trouble right away when, when Harry started dating Meghan back in uh, 2014. And uh, are, are you saying that because that was when you said, oh, I can't believe he's dating a darkie? I mean, I don't think I used those words in particular. Oh, you, you said you can't believe that idiot is dating a darkie. No, no. I said um, he's bringing much needed representation into the royal family. Oh, I, yes. That's I mean, exactly close, what, Yes. Yeah. But... Uh, because diversity is key. Right. And, you know, we knew there'd be issues because, you know, white racism, especially over. Is in, there any in other kind? Europe. So, you know, we knew we were, we were just counting down the days. I mean, I thought it would happen sooner. I'm sure she suffered a much more than this, but she's just been, you know, I'm sure the Royals basically made her keep her mouth shut. But this is just a bridge too far. When when somebody, somebody like amongst the staff or maybe even one of the family members extended said something like, oh, your 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 son, I, w- I wonder what uh, what skin tone he's going to be. You know, is he going to be like a uh, uh, like chocolate colored or is he going to be like coffee and cream? Is he going to be car- caramel? I mean, this is important to know. And I think, okay, there might be a very little chance that she misconstrued just like vague interest in something like that like it's like two people getting together and one person's redheaded and one person has green eyes you go i wonder if your child's gonna be a redhead or if they're gonna have green eyes or brown eyes Hmm. all right moving on maybe that's what happened but since they're white supremacists 
I th- I suspect it's because they she that kid better be white, and if he's not white, we better get the bleach going early and often. Well, a couple things on this. Does she does she look black to you? If you saw no. her, would you immediately say she's black? No, but she does um, straighten her hair. Who cares? Well, I mean, but that's it. That that's the thing is she feels like she needs to conform to whiteness by straightening her hair instead of letting it go unnatural. Which in it in itself that term pretty racist. Yeah, I think so. Like so, all white people are artificial. That's what you're saying. Well, oh natural. It just sounds very pretentious and white. Well, it's French, so yeah. you have to hate it. So, um, you know, yeah, she she doesn't look obviously she looks mixed race and and it looks like and uh, racially you, you couldn't really pinpoint what my, she, my point is what to she me is, if she if she said she was white I'd be like, "Okay." Yeah, but you know, if there's a drop of uh you're you know, going to go there. A drop. I'm sorry, but you know, that, that's the rule. Them's the rules. I don't know what the rules are. I don't think I want to hear the rules. One right drop now. means you're black. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't make up the rules. That's just the rules. <laughs> I think you made up the rules. <laughs> so uh, let me give you two scenarios. You tell me which is more likely. That the, uh, that the Windsors, the family she's from, which by the way are not English, they're German. Hmm. That's where the English royalty comes from, is Germany. Um, if they are just staunch racists, you know, they're white supremacists, and is it supremacists or supremacists? It's one of the two. It's a good question. So they're those. And uh, they weren't cool with uh, their ginger son getting, uh, you know, having a mixed-race woman in the family. But you know what? They gave her a title anyway, and they spent $40 million on her wedding. And then they thought, let's chase her out. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think it was actually more than that because it was 32 million pounds. So It was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. <laughs> so is that scenario more likely, or is it possible that some dummy in the family made, you know, because these these people are very attached to reality. You know, they understand how... Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, they get it. They understand the subtleties of conversation with people. and and uh, uh, Or is it possible that one of these people made a stupid comment? Just like Meghan Markle's dad said. He goes, maybe he asked a dumb question. Yeah, that you should just kind of roll your eyes and blow off. Yeah, and by the way, this is happening after they already decided they wanted to be cut off from the family. They went to the queen mum and said, yeah, we're not doing all this stuff, you know, and because we want to go live in the United States and Megan wants to be a movie star and blah, blah, blah. Harry is 36 years old. He's got a net worth of $10 million, even after his family cuts him off. And at this point, why the hell wouldn't you cut him off? You know, if he's trashing your family and calling everybody racist and all that. So, yeah, I'd cut him off, too. And also, I actually don't I don't begrudge him like cutting himself off from the royal family because maybe the the lifestyle of that is something he's just tired of doesn't want to deal with anymore. but he's not exactly hiding from it he yeah. wants to be a star in los angeles yeah that's what he's doing so he's 36 years old he's never aside from his military training which from what i understand is extensive and hard but he's not in the military anymore um aside from that he's never had a freaking job in his life and he's worth 10 million dollars Go sit on a beach somewhere and shut up. I, I don't begrudge him parlaying his um, his royal connections or, or, or his fame into whatever he, he does next. I don't and, either. And but the thing is, 
if he would do if he wants to do something and being in the royal family means you have to very much like adhere to whatever stipulations rules they provide for you and it makes it it makes it difficult to do what you want to do I can see like saying, hey, I don't want to have to deal with that. You can strip me of the title or whatever. I, people are going to still recognize me as that. And yeah, I'm going to use that to my advantage, but I'm not going to be beholden to you. I don't care. That I don't care either. But he's treating like he doesn't want that stuff. But he does. Yeah. We've he, doesn't, already... he doesn't need all this fame and everything. He's not like his older brother, who's just like going about his life and not trying. I mean, uh, William and Kate are running around saving starving kids in Africa. You know, he's trying to get voiceover work for his wife in Hollywood. Well, you're you're talking about Harry so much. It's kind of racist of you not to talk about uh, Meghan Markle's um, Who? Bona, bona fides. Who? M- M- Meghan Markle. Oh, okay. You mean Harry's wife. Born Rachel Meghan Markle, 1981. She was born and raised in California. Her acting career began when she was studying at Northwestern University as University as an actress. She was known for her role as Rachel Zane in the American legal drama Suits for seven seasons. And then she's got a lifestyle blog, The Tig, that went on about four years and featured a column profiling influential women. And she also gained recognition for creating and releasing two fashion lines of clothing in 2015 and 2016. By the I mean, way, she's a very accomplished woman. Had uh, Oprah at her wedding... Apparently having never met Oprah before. So don't tell me this wasn't a setup for this stuff already. She knew she was never going to get to that level that she wanted to. Yeah. On her own. And so she's got some coattails. Yeah. And that's fine. Whatever. But to sit there and say say that, um, have an interview and say that you're upset because you're intimating that the royal family's racist by this just very uh, vague... Uh, comment and then saying, "Oh no!" Afterwards, not saying who it is, and then saying afterwards, "Oh, it wasn't the queen. It wasn't the it wasn't Prince or um, um, their father, or Prince uh, uh, Prince Charles. Charles. It wasn't Charles or the queen. It was somebody else." It's like, then why do you even fucking say it? Yeah. And why are we even talking about this still? I don't know. I just one more thing, and this is uh, uh, I put it on the Bread and Circuses podcast Facebook page. I got a picture of them that it's a meme that somebody put out. It's basically them photoshopped with a bunch of cash around a meeting with uh, meeting with Oprah. And uh, so the dialogue I put in here was uh, uh, former Prince Ginger, my country sucks and my family's mean. And then former Duchess of Pout says, my country is worse and my dad is so mean and white. <laughs> And then Queen Oprah says, listen, bitches, some lady in a Paris purse shop called me the N-word once. You don't know pain. <laughs> oh, it's it's so stupid. You're right. We got to be done talking. about. Well, you know, it's funny as I, I brought that up as a joke and I thought we were going to move on a lot faster than we did. So I'm kind of it's your fault. Kind of regretting. It Can't get me going. <laughs> All right. Next. Um, well, let me ask you quick. Um, how many women have you? um have you uh, uh, sexually harassed? None. Okay. You're not at like seven or eight yet? Uh, no. Okay, so you can still be the governor of New York. Ah, yeah. yeah it's- well, we talked about this before, Cuomo. Uh, they've decided you know, the cabal in charge of the Democrat Party or the, the higher-ups have decided that they really needed to distract uh, from him the important stuff of him having a bunch of elderly people die because of his fucking ridiculous um, anti-Trump policies. 
And that's all it is, is we talked about this before, is he, instead of sending people infected with COVID uh, to the ship that was parked on, on the shore, the, that, or was the Javits to, Center. that was supposed to handle the, the infections, he decided not to give Trump that win and move him into uh, assisted living facilities. And then, and then they covered it up too. Yeah. So we talked about this and, but, but they don't, that's the big scandal. That's something people should be focusing on. Not, and, and there is some piling on right now with, with what's happening to him. But he deserves every fucking bit of it because of the bullshit he said about uh, Kavanaugh when he was being um, dragged through the mud during the, oh, the yeah. uh, Supreme Court here. Uh, um, yeah, Supreme Court ver- um, t- testimony or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, confirmation. Confirmation hearings. And he was basically saying, you know, yeah, you have to absolutely believe what these women were saying. And, and, and it's, you know, he's it's 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 garbage like that that makes you I, I don't care if I look at this objectively and go some of these. Some of these are ridiculous. No, well, no, no. I don't care. The latest one is, I mean, it's a woman who was uh, at the time a 25-year-old reporter um, at the uh, at the Capitol building in Albany. And she, she says, oh, yeah, he routinely sort of touched me on the arms and shoulders and small on my back and all this stuff. And then she goes on to say how there was this Christmas party that he was hosting. And she felt like if she didn't go, she was going to miss out on some of the reporting stuff. And I'm like going, okay, but I don't. I don't know if this is going anywhere good. And then she says, and then, you know, when I was leaving, I got called to a story to cover back. And she goes, but I wanted to thank him for inviting me to the party. And I thought, see, this is the part where this starts to get weird for me. Yeah. Just leave. You but know, then, you know, his, his response to this was pretty funny. Somebody asked him, um, you know, I think I, they might have even brought up Kavanaugh, but he said there were accusations against you and he goes yeah there are accusations and then there are accusations did you hear that no that was that was his response i was like dude you well couldn't, you couldn't be in more like a stereotypical like piece of shit politician that actually does exactly what they say you're doing you've been doing well this woman this latest accuser the seventh one went on to say when she went over to say goodbye to him he pulled his arm he put his arm around her and he pulled her in and he made someone take a picture and she was like i don't want to be seen in a picture smiling with this guy with his hands all over me but you know what can i do i'm in this position and uh then he turns her around and gets like four or five different pictures and he goes am i making you uncomfortable i thought we were going steady and she goes i never thought this was because he wanted to sleep with me by the way it was yeah that's why he was doing he did yes yeah she goes, it was about power and showing me what he could do to me at any point. No. And I'm going, okay, so let's just go with that. Then that's not sexual harassment anymore. It's just being a prick. And if you're not expecting that from the governor of a big state like that with a family that's long been in politics, then you are naive. These people are not good people. I don't care which side they're on. When people get into politics, it's because of power. You know, yeah. it's because of what they can, and it's, it wasn't because you're a 25 year old. I don't know if you're attractive or not. 25 year old woman that he was doing this to, he does it to everybody. He's out there shaking his dick at everybody in the media going, you can't fucking touch me. I'm not resigning. The people elected me. That's what he's doing right now. Well, it's his, just a power his, play. Cause he's an asshole. Even de Blasio, who's a piece of shit, um, is calling for his resignation resignation. So I, it's going to happen. I do have to give Cuomo credit when it comes to between him and de Blasio. Cuomo's the only one who's not gelded. I mean, de Blasio's just a oh, yeah. puss. Yep. All right. Uh, so the Dems are working hard to ban as much as they can when it comes to weapons and guns. So they... Why would they do that? They said they weren't going to do that. 
Dianne Feinstein promises an assault weapons ban hours after the House passed background check bill. And I, so the House passed a bill that um, allows for unlimited delays uh, for FBI background checks, which means it, it's kind of like what happened in Minneapolis before they uh, passed a, a concealed carry bill. You could apply for a concealed carry permit. Um, it was It's now called will issue. Mm-hmm. And I can't before it was based on whether or not the sheriff decided you needed one. So you could apply before the bill passed for a concealed carry permit, but nobody ever got them, rarely got them. And you could, it was up to them to decide how, how long there was no period where they had to say, well, within 30 days, we have to give you the answer. They, they might go, you know, we'll let you know, you know, you, you can't get one until we tell you yes. Right. And I, they never say, yes, you, 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 you'll write in or you'll call in. You'll go down there and go, hey, what's the answer? And go, no, we're deliberating. They were going to gen sock you. They're yeah. just going to circle back. So now what they're doing is kind of de facto doing the same thing with the, with the FBI background checks. So unlimited delays means that you don't have any right to say, I want to know within 30 days if I'm going to be uh, have that ability to purchase this weapon. No, because they'll just keep doing extensions on whether or not they're going to approve you, even if they know that you're allowed to and that there's nothing that'll stop them, the FBI can say, we're swamped. We've got a lot of stuff. We're, we're going to get to it when we get to it. And then they never get to it. Right. So uh, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, revived a House passed bill requiring background checks for private firearm sales. Um, and then she said, Feinstein said she would soon work with Senate colleagues to pass other reforms, including an assault weapons ban. And they, I think they probably learned their lesson from the last assault weapon ban in the nineties, where it was just because it was kind of scary looking. Mm-hmm. And then there was a bunch of ways that the gun companies got around, like they're silly, like, you know, they had a different grip on it and that kind of stuff. Um, they're not stupid. I mean, somewhat, but they're not completely stupid. I mean, some these senators and Congress people are pretty stupid, but their staff and people around them aren't that stupid. And they'll figure out how to actually make a lot of the stick or make it more difficult for people that, you know, can't afford it, that can't afford fees and taxes and whatever to, to get around it so that, so that they're unarmed and disarmed and, and, and honest citizens are disarmed. So it whenever we said before uh, <laughs> the... Uh, slippery slope stuff that when people say slippery slope fallacy, fucking slap them. There, I don't know how that got started when when people when you said it's a slippery slope and they look at you like <laughs> that's a fallacy, and then nobody nobody would say the term slippery slope anymore. We've got slippery slopes left and fucking right. Well, it's it's no different than when the left invented because yes, they invented the trickle down economics theory. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, Ronald Reagan had his trickle down economics. No, he, he never called it that. Yeah, you know, but 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 slippery slope is real, right? Because they want to dismiss it. They yeah, they, dismiss they the want to. Yeah, be, uh, or when they call everything a conspiracy theory nowadays, like it's it, no, it's not a, nothing's a conspiracy theory that we're talking about anymore. Are you sure? Yeah. So because uh, I, you know, what I heard, <laughs> but I'll tell you later. Um, I guess I could go into the text of her statement, but who cares? I mean, we've got to the quick of it, basically. I believe she's a conceal and carry holder too. Because, you know, she she needs it. Yeah. You don't. She's a public figure. It's called HR8. It's the latest version of the Democrats' so-called universal background checks. So currently, any gun purchased at a retail store or online must go through a background check and involve a licensed firearm dealer. So if you want to go buy a, a rifle, a sporting rifle, which they call an assault rifle, you can't just order it online or you can't just walk into a store without a 
a permit and buy it. You have to um, go through a background check. And if you have the permit, that means you already went through the background check. Unless you go to a gun show, in which case they just pull it out from under the table and sell it to you for cash, right? Yeah, exactly. That, uh, that happens all the time. And a friend of mine, I mean, a friend of a friend of mine just recently bought a, a rifle and he has a concealed carry permit and he bought it through an online dealer who actually has a, a physical warehouse presence, but because of COVID they shut it down. Right. So it's, it's in this, it's based in Minnesota here. He went to buy the, or he was going to buy the rifle at the, at the, at the warehouse. They were closed. So he had to order it from them online and he had to get it through a F, uh, FFL dealer. And he had, there's a list of names of people that do that. And so he had to go meet this guy in order to get the rifle. So they'd had their rifle shipped to him, and then he had to go meet the guy, and then the, the guy has to call in and do a uh, FFL uh, uh, background check. Right. And then what happens is sometimes they say yes right away, and sometimes they say no. We you, you got to wait a few days or eight days or something like that. Um, so this friend of a friend that I know did that and went to the uh, firearms dealer, and sure as shit, they said nope. He's not going to get, we got to do more, more checking, but you know, it's going to be up to eight days. Well, as my friend, the friend of my friend was leaving, they called him back and said, Oh, he, he, he made it. He can get, he can get the gun. But it's like, so even if you have a prior concealed carry permit that has done a background check, they can still fuck with you for yeah. a certain amount of time. Um, so, and then now you can't, and if you're a private seller, you can sell, you can sell to your, to your friend, you can sell to your family members, you can sell to some guy up the street. I've done it before myself. When I used to have guns, I have none anymore. I'm, I'm completely out of guns. Well, you lost them in that boating accident. Yeah. yeah. Um, in that, uh, or, con- in that concrete spill. Yeah. But when I sell guns to people, I would make sure they have a concealed carry permit because that lets me know that they've been checked. And you know that because you sold all your guns, the ones there, that didn't fall yeah, in the river. All the ones that I that, that I didn't lose in the river, uh, I sold to people that had concealed carry permits. I had took a picture of their concealed carry, their license. I had them f- sign a receipt, and that's the extent of it. And I got my money, and they got their gun. Now you can't do that anymore with this bill if it gets through. I think it's just through the house though, and it'll yeah, make it, it'll make it through the center too. I don't know. They're they're counting on it, and all these people like Joe Manchin that they're saying that that they, these guys never, when it comes to like a party vote, they really buckle they buckle under and they 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 give in. Eh, I look, I'm not wanting to defend to defend Joe Manchin here, because uh, he's got ties to this whole EpiPen thing that was just, I mean, his daughter was the president of the company, and he it was all shitty. I mean, he did just as much politician-y stuff as everybody else, but at least. He has held those bills up to get stuff for the people in his state. But West Virginia is a big uh, red gun state. And he's not going to stay a senator long if he votes on stuff like this. And I think Joe Manchin knows it. Okay. But what they're worried about is, you know, he get fucking Susan Collins or something like that to slide over to yeah. it. And- well, there uh, there's a quote here. Um the idea that this is going to make us safer is laughable, said Representative Mary Miller from Illinois, Republican. Criminals looking to get their hands on firearms to use in crimes are not going to submit to background checks. Only law-abiding citizens will follow the law. This is a backdoor means of setting up a national registry of firearms, something I completely oppose. And they go, well, what's so wrong with a national registry? Because you have a right to not have the government know that you bought a gun. Right. So... And they go, oh, it doesn't say that in the Constitution. Yes, it does. Shall not be abridged. Mm-hmm. Or shall not infringed. be infringed. Abridged. 
Yeah, I know my words. I don't work. So the problem with gun violence is not we don't have enough laws. Miller continued, we have enough laws. What we need is to make sure the laws we have are enforced. That's that's pretty much it. Listen, Crow, the only reason Chicago has more people dying than Afghanistan is because (laughs) you laugh, but they do. Mm, I know, but Um, the only reason and and by the way, those black lives don't matter to black lives matter because, you know, those people getting killed. They're not worried about that. Um, The only reason there's a problem in Chicago is because those people just cross the border to Indiana and buy their guns. Mm, okay. You know? And that's why Indiana is almost as bad as Chicago in oh, homicides. Wait, wait a minute. That listen, ain't true. Listen. <laughs> I don't think that's even close to true. Listen, I, I tweeted it out, so mm, it must it's be It's your true. truth. It, no, it is the truth mm-hmm. that I'm using. Okay. Well, I don't want to... We've got a lot of topics to go to. I'd like to go on to the next one real go quick. Go ahead. Uh, I just want to point out that gas prices are exploding across America, and we can't figure out why. I see what you did there. What? Explode. The exploding gas? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and what we've heard is uh, probably a penny a day every day for the next 60 days at least. So yeah, we're, they... we're looking at gas prices are going to be up over 3 bucks significantly. Yep. So right now in Minnesota, well, the average gas price all around is 279 right now. That's about on par with where Minnesota's at right now. Yeah. Well, Minnesota's like 279. The nation's like I just recently purchased a, a car that's uh, that has uh, the E85 yeah. uh, gas cap. So it's, it'll it'll use the 50% ethanol or whatever, or 80% ethanol or whatever. And I'm like, should I? And I go look at the, uh, some of the pumps that have the ethanol, and they're like, well, it's a decent amount cheaper. But then I looked into it. I'm like, I'm not going to just stick this shit in my gas tank. Uh, yeah, it's cheaper because it's super inefficient. It's really? like it's either it's it's anywhere from twenty to fifty percent less miles per gallon that you get wow. out of it. Yeah, and uh, it 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 burns cool. It's hard. It has a lower um, or a higher uh, ignition rate, and it just burns cooler. And if your car is not made for it, don't use it because it's basically alcohol and it'll fuck up all the seals and everything. But yeah, so you're you're gonna yeah we can't have seals drinking pay, alcohol. Pay, pay less at the all fucked up seals. <laughs> it's uh, a bunch of fucked up seals. <laughs> getting their swerve on uh <laughs> the so yeah i was, I was like oh significantly less it's got to be a reason for that yeah it's because it's it's inefficient so and because it's subsidized you know corn mm-hmm. um so well that's because you can't eat that but there will be a point like if gas gets up to four bucks a gallon and there will be a point where the where the e85 for me will probably be worth it again not a conspiracy theorist but do you think that maybe there's a there's a push to get gas higher so that they can try and cut everyone over to electric vehicles. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that think that way in positions of power. Yeah. I mean, most of the reason from what I've seen is that uh, the reason the gas price is going up is they, they cut the sub, the uh, efficiency of the supply chain. So when they're cutting down on pipelines, yeah, and pipelines, things, the number one thing, it just, you pipelines are very efficient and very can't safe. deliver as much gas. And also, Biden's over fucking around the Middle East again, so that's going to be a problem. No, that's just that's you. You heard that on the hate news channel. <laughs> is this Biden's fault? Hard to say. This is from Infowars, so you can't trust it. Right. Hard to say, but stirring the pot in the Middle East, closing the Keystone Pipeline, discouraging investment in fossil fuels, and banning fracking on government land probably didn't help supply. Although, uh, at least he didn't bomb anybody in Syria. Although. Uh, seasonality and the Texas storm also impacted it in short term. Right. But he didn't bomb anyone in Syria. 
Yeah. So that's good. This person, uh, Infowars article, combined with the rising grocery prices, the U.S. economy is starting to look like a lot like the stagflation era of the 1970s, in which living expenses increased substantially due to inflation while wages and salaries remain stagnant. Well, of course, uh, Congress just passed that $1.9 spending bill, so that should help. Well, but at least they didn't bomb Syria. It's a, it's a stimulus bill, right, for Americans? That $1.9 trillion American stimulus bill? Is that call it? Yeah. So uh, it didn't like how much of it went to Americans? Well, uh, I've heard lots of different numbers. I heard 1% of it is dealing with the vaccination stuff. Um, only 10% of it's going to schools. But even though even though they are most of that money, it's, it's sent. A lot of it is for schools to reopen, but they get the money and they don't have to put the stuff in place to reopen for another two years. There was already a bunch of money left over from the previous stimulus bills, but... What it comes down to it is this money I'm rounding uh, to borrow this amount of money is the same as if they cut every person in the United States a check for $6,000. So they borrow, I think it's $5,400 a person, man, woman, child, ever, across the entire country, and they write you, a, some of you, a check for $1,400. Yeah. And if if you're not willing to sort of figure that math, and I know math is racist, um. <laughs> then I I don't know how we can help you with this. You yeah. got to understand that this money isn't free. It doesn't just, we don't have it. We got to borrow it from someone else. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I want to keep going. We're halfway th through the show here and we have so All much right, more to going. talk about. Oh, an Ohio school district will require students and teachers to double mask. Um, even though, you know, Fauci admitted that there's no data that indicates that it's going to make a difference. See, I think this is reckless because we're up to triple masking, aren't we? Well, okay. They're saying this headline said double mask, but um, it goes student as students return to campus in Ohio, Bexley City Schools in Columbus will be handing out three ply masks due, due to recommendations from the CDC claiming that two, two masks are better than one. So they discussed compulsory double masking or CDC equivalent thereof, and they decided to go, you know what? Fuck it. That's not good enough. We're going to get three ply masks. Well, see, people have been doing it with condoms for years. So it's just, it's a matter of time before you realize you had to do it with masks. <laughs> you know, they always say, don't ever double condom. Did you hear that? Yeah, you have to do three. <laughs> okay. It's the only way to be safe. All right. There's a lot of nasty diseases out there, you know? You could get like shingles or arthritis or something so i don't want to get too far into this i mean there's a whole article on it i don't give a shit but i just want to see that uh point out that in there's another article that says students are thriving in a texas school district that never closed or required masks or social distancing administrators at a school near dallas say students in their district are excelling academically and it's likely because they never imposed lockdowns or shut down schools officials at the Peaster Independent School District in Parker County say they never require masks, socially distance students, or cancel events. No one has been placed into a mandatory quarantine, reports CBS DFW. Homecoming happens on schedule. The pancake dinner, fall festival, sports, and concerts all took place as, pla as planned. When Governor Greg Abbott recently rescinded the statewide mask ordinance, the district didn't send an email to parents because masks at the school were voluntary. So uh, the weird social experiment of normality has led to higher enrollment and daily attendance with students actually passing on to the next grade as opposed to failing due to distance learning. Our kids have thrived and our teachers have thrived 
or thrived, says Superintendent Lance Johnson. And it's just been a real, real eye-opening to see how we've done things different than other schools. Johnson says, after initially trying out distance learning, parents were polled and an overwhelming 86% favored a school model closest to the traditional, traditional model. Our teachers and our school board and our community just stood in solidarity to say, we know, you know what, we're going to do what's best for the kids. And what's best for the kids is having in school, learning in a traditional school model. So, Why do they hate America so much? When schools returned last fall, it started on time in August. There were no COVID outbreaks and kids not wearing masks weren't questioned or harassed. Anyone who did not wear a mask was assumed to be exercising an allowed medical or religious exemption. <laughs> did they, And killing grandmothers. Wantonly yeah. killing grandmothers. But... So 18 months ago, they're, what they're doing to kids would have been criminal, he says. And here we are fighting uh, back uh, to go back to that model, fighting, letting kids be kids and letting kids socialize, letting them have normal school year. Yeah, so the, you're going to triple mask. You're going to put um, uh, plexiglass around all the desks. Uh, Do you see that band that they put them in like these little, the tuba player in like a little, little what do you call it, a little plastic dome? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 ridiculous. I saw one where a kid had a saxophone, and it was fully sleeved, and so his hands slid into these two holes, and then he had a mask with a, a hole going in there. Yeah, enough. It's insane. I, I read an article recently. Uh, there's a website on Facebook, uh, Say No Minnesota. It's a, you know, get us open sort of website, and they, um, they had uh, an article in there about a kid – 14 or not 14 about a 16 year old kid um who was in one of these schools in west texas who got locked down or not he might have been texas it was either texas or new mexico right on the border and his school got locked down he was a junior he's trying to get into college um really likable kid you know everybody loved him uh but he wanted to go he was working really hard to be the quarterback of the football team and so this year was really important for him it would be the year that he would try and become the starter yeah and that'd be the year you get your film because by the time you're a senior you've picked where you're going to school for the most part and uh he was working on his grades and you know straight a student killed himself hmm. because of the lockdown stuff yeah and i'm like we're fucking with these kids in ways that we don't understand so people can feel like they're safe and I, I can't remember where I saw it. It was uh, on Fox Business News. They were show, I, I don't know what the reference was, but they showed the um, they overlaid the incidents of COVID, you know, the peaks and valleys of it, with uh, people who were reporting as mask wear. And in about March, the mask thing just goes up and it stays flat all the way across. And the peaks and valleys of the disease still happen. Yeah. And it was just like that Israeli study we uh, cited. University of Tel Aviv a year ago that said, not a, not a year ago, probably nine months ago, that whether you lock down or don't lock down, you all wind up in the same place about week eight. And let's not just say people. Let's point out the teachers' union. Absolutely. The teachers' union doing whatever they can do to get as much money and time off from doing actual work and helping and work the from kids. Home. Um, so that's what they want. They're, they're trying to get whatever they can out of the situation for for the teachers not thinking about the kids which is what the teachers union is known for and the teachers union in minnesota especially has a lot of power it's like the the most active political um i think it is the biggest union in the entire yeah, country and, and they give most of their political um 
you know, power, the most of their political force is is Democrat. I mean, all of it, basically, in Minnesota. Well, and I also believe they're the largest contributor of the Democrat Party and Tim Walz's campaign. Yeah. So they dictate to Tim Walz about when schools open or if schools open. Not not the science, like they keep saying. Well, I'm telling you, there are not near as many kids going back to public schools that people thought. I want the teachers' union to be fucking just destroyed by this. I, I wish it would. Well, it And there's is. a lot of teachers that probably wish it would, too. I still think it's going to be because I think the ones who are pulling the strings on this are the older ones who aren't going to be there in five years. Yeah. And it's the younger ones who are losing their jobs because kids aren't Yeah, the older back. ones just want to ride it out and get as much as they can out of it. Yeah. And, of course, I'm being general, but I, I also don't think I'm wrong. No. So, moving on. Moving on. Uh, well, I mean, we might as well, we were talking about education. Let's, we, we did, we brought this up also. No, no, no. We were talking about the teachers' union. The teachers' well, union and education don't have anything to do with each other. This is from Alpha News. Uh, woke educators release letter declaring objective math a form of white supremacy. Because it is. Um, and people go, oh, come on. I mean, some Yahoo out there writes a, a, a course or a study or, or something saying that it's racist. It doesn't mean anything. If you look at history, recent history, not even all this crazy shit we talk about, it explodes and becomes mainstream. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me this is nonsense and I shouldn't be worried about it because it's going to be it's going to be put into our curriculum. It's nonsense, and you shouldn't be worried about uh, it. The COVID-19 school shutdowns have put parents back in charge of their children's learning in ways that were un- unimaginable pre-pandemic, with many parents leaving their district schools in droves, like you were saying. Uh, this is from the Foundation for Economic Education. Mandatory teaching standards that focus on critical theory and identity, identity politics to the detriment of liberalism and individualism are already working their way through state legislatures. Now math education itself has, itself has been deemed racist. A group of educators just released a document calling for a transformation of math education that focuses on, quote, dismantling white supremacy in math classrooms by visib- this word <laughs> by visibilizing the toxic characteristics of white supremacy culture with respect to math, unquote. Among the educators' recommendations, which officials in some states are promoting, are calls to, quote, identify and challenge the ways that math is used to uphold capitalist, imperialist, and racist views, providing, provide learning opportunities that use math as resistance, and encourage them to disrupt the disport, disproportionate push-out of people of color in STEM fields. Look, I just, I'm going to run a little quiz past you. I know people listening can't see this, but how many fingers am I holding up? Dos. Okay, how about over here? Dos more. How many fingers total am I holding? Cuatro. See, you're a racist. No, I did it in Spanish, though. It doesn't matter. No, I did it That's in just, Spanish. Just, that just means you were subject to the white uh, white supremacy. So when people go, okay, so you say that a group of educators just released a document. It's probably just like some fringe group, right? doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, it would have to be. Yeah, so I kind of clicked on it and tried to find out. So in Portland, Oregon... A new debate has emerged over the controversial topic of white supremacy and racism in school math instruction. So the Oregon Department of Education recently sent a newsletter to math educators in the state. It contained information about a virtual micro course in math equity instruction that teachers could sign up for. It was titled Pathway to Math Equity Micro Course 2.0, um, valuing, and, valuing and, a, and elevating students' discourse in the math classroom. Um, so... It's basically uh, talks about how math is rooted in racism and white supremacy. 
80, they have an 82-page workbook, which teachers can examine their actions, beliefs, and values around teaching mathematics. They claim that white supremacy culture can show up in the classroom in various ways, including when the focus is on getting the right quote-unquote answer when students are required to show their work. And then people say, well, of course, I mean, but this is just like, this isn't like required. No, that, but it will be. That's what we're saying. It's like, we, we've seen this before, especially with the uh, transgender bullshit, where we were like, yeah. rolling our eyes at it three years ago, four years ago. And now it's like just fucking ingrained in every goddamn thing on a, on a, on a um, mass level, like nationwide. It's not just fringe, crazy communities doing this shit. It, it ex- explodes out, especially nowadays. Everything just is accelerated. So any, any craziness you hear uh, on the left, it's going to become mainstream left. Oh, I agree. But here's what I think is happening. It, it's accelerating at a pace we weren't expecting. But I also think what they don't realize is they're stepping on the gas on the in, in the uh, inequality bus here. And here's how they're doing it. I've said this before, and I can see it happening. Um, not like I'm picturing it. it. It is happening. You're having parents who are taking their kids out of these schools. They're saying, we're not doing this anymore. They're sending them to other schools that don't buy into this stuff. And whether it's businesses we shop at or places we go to eat or the kids we send our schools to, we're starting as a country to self-segregate. Yeah. We're just, you know, it's like that school can say whatever bullshit they want. I'm not sending my kid there. But guess who has the least opportunity to send their kids in different places? Poor kids, you know? Yeah. And like Joe Biden says, you know, poor kids are just as smart as white kids. So they should be allowed to go where they want to go. <laughs> he actually said that. Don't get mad. He said it. Yeah. I didn't. Um, it, these kids are going to be stuck. And this is what happens in inner city schools. The people who can afford to get their kids out of shitty schools, get them out. And the same shitty people keep running the same stupid schools. And the poor kids are stuck there because they can't get away. And that's what you're going to have. You're going to have dwindling amounts of kids at these uh, teachers union run schools, which means you're going to have a a decreasing amount of resources. We already spend 60 to 70% of the state budget on education in the state. They're getting plenty of money. You know, they just can't make it work because they don't want to, and nobody's making them. And so they're going to lose these kids at these schools. And those kids are going to go to other schools and they're not going to be able to get as much money as they've had in the past. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And the people it's going to hurt the most are the kids in the lower income. Yep. So, I mean, people are going to move. It's already happening. They're moving to states and cities where they think like you do. You see liberals moving into bigger cities, even in the stuff in Texas. All the liberals who move in from California, where do they go? They go right to Austin and Dallas and places like that. And all of the ones who don't want to deal with that stuff move into the suburbs. You know, it's it's how it works. Yeah, but then the the, the packed centers with uh, high-density populations end up controlling and, and dictating what everybody else... Yeah, I know what you're saying, and you're not necessarily wrong. But, you know, everybody's saying all those liberals leaving California. Who do you think is leaving California? 
Is it going to be the liberals who go, geez, I don't know what happened here? Or is it going to be the conservatives who go, this is already stupid enough? I mean, I'm going it's going to be conservatives, but there, there will be a contingent of those liberals that just, oh, yeah. I can't afford this. You know, I should be living my good life. I can't afford it. I have to start there. But but we'll bring the good ideas with us. Right. But there's only so many of them. Yeah. So if they move to the big cities in Texas, they got to be leaving the big cities where? In California? California, if you look at just its counties, I think is mostly red. It's San Francisco and Los Angeles that control that whole state. And if people start leaving California, New York's the same. Yeah, exactly. And when you see these big cities and Democrat places start to fail, and even if they go to other uh, red states and turn them kind of purple, that just means their blue state does the same thing. Yeah. I mean, Trump lost by about 42,000 votes. That's how close we are on stuff. So. Well, on on a related note, we didn't talk about last time that Dr. Seuss is getting canceled oh you know hey just because the dr seuss uh uh, foundation decides they don't want to publish six more books anymore doesn't mean they got censored right just because you can't and that's that's what's funny you can't sell them on ebay yeah they're saying they're saying it's 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 their it's it's a private or private owners of of a product that decide they don't want to sell it anymore how is that fascism how is that or or not fascism uh, marxism or whatever if you put the ism in it It's, it's because Everything that's going along with it, it's like you can't you can't sell it on eBay anymore if you have the book. Why not? They can sell Mein Kampf. Shh. They can sell. Uh, let's see here. Uh, eBay can sell. Uh, I am Jazz. Uh, it's a story of a transgender child who traces her early her early awareness that she's a girl in spite of male anatomy. Um, Call me Tree. A bilingual poetic tale that follows one child slash tree from the depths of Miami slash Earth to the heights of the sky, telling a story about being free to grow and here show more. I'm gonna see more and be who we are meant to be and honoring our relationship with the natural world. So, um, you know, call me tree. Jacob's new dress. Jacob, who likes to wear dresses at home, convinces his parents to wear a dress at school too. Why is it never Sally's new pants? I'm a girl. When a rough and tumble little girl who is sometimes mistaken for a boy meets a boy who likes wearing princess dresses and plays with dolls, a wonderful friendship is born. My princess boy, uh, uh, one of a kind like me, Sparkle Boy, three-year-old Casey wants uh, what his older sister Jessie has, a shimmery skirt, painted nails, sparkly bracelets. Here's here's my question on this stuff. Why does it seem, and I don't have any data here, but I'm just going by my anecdotal observations here. Why does it seem like the trans thing is so often men transitioning to women? There seems to be very, very little of the other. Because, uh, what do you say, men transition to women? Yeah. Uh, there are there are a decent amount of women doing the transitioning to men, yeah. Yeah, but we don't hear about it. The The three books you mentioned there are all boys becoming girls. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I don't know, but the they there is studies saying that women, the girls, are more easily influenced to do this, to do the trying to change gender stuff. Yeah, I can understand that, but do we hear about it as much? No, but you, it's the same with gays and lesbians. The gay, the the male gays got way more attention than the lesbians. Well, maybe, maybe it's because it is. of patriarchy. You know, you, the patriarchy. You could show me data that says, look, it's just as many. Are there even more women who transition to men? Okay, fine. But it seems to me, just from my own observation, it is far more men transitioning to women. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I, I don't, It just seems like that. But the three books you mentioned are all, again, anecdotal. But the three books are all boys becoming girls. It just seems there's this whole big push to feminize men all of a sudden. 
you know? Yeah. Well, when, you know, China's uh, got a new push to try to masculinize their, their populace, their men, because in Asia, in Korea and Japan, there's been a trend to really feminize like the icons, mm-hmm. um, the music icons and the movie icons over there have become increased. And the males have become increasingly androgynous and more feminine, like very, you know, basically what you call a twink, very, you know, thin, hairless, you know, pretty boys. And uh, that's been a trend for quite a while now. And Chinese, the Chinese are like, ah, no, 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 no. We're going to masculinize our men. We're not going to. Twink, wasn't that your dating prof- profile name? E, no. No, it was not. Um, and then wasn't it, did you hear about this drag queen that posted something about how we need to get over this um, this fascination with protecting our children because little girls are kinky too? Did you hear about this? No. God damn I'm, it. I'm, it trying, I'm trying to fucking find it right now, but I'm not finding it, which is irritating because... I saw it a, a couple different places, and this guy, you know, he, he very proud of himself, basically saying that children should be sexualized and they should be sexualized to deviant uh, uh, sexualities. And uh, he gets, uh, what kind of pushback is he going to get for that? Well, it's like the there's, um, and it's a private school. Uh, it's a private religious school, and I can't remember where it is. It's like Holy Trinity something or whatever. They're now going to ban uh, using words like dad, mom, parents. Because they say it's, you know, uh, offensive or hurtful to kids who don't have those. So they want you to use, like, folks, guardians, stuff like that. And I think that's all about just, you know, breaking down the nuclear family. And I wouldn't wouldn't have thought that a year ago. I would have thought that was just sort of silly talk that they weren't trying to do that. But I, I just see more and more of it. Yeah, and that's why the slippery slope is real. It's like you should be ashamed that your parents aren't divorced or you should be ashamed that you have two parents or something. I mean, cut it out. No. But I, I do see a lot of kids, you know, through my kids, a lot of kids who buy into it and a lot of other kids who go, I'm just not having that. So, I, again, I think we're going to self-select here. We're, we're going to turn into sort of, I don't want to say two different countries – but two different cultures within one country. It is, you can agree with it and disagree or disagree with it, but it's been scientifically proven that in general, and yes, it can vary from household to household because general and specific mean two exactly different things. Generally kids learn discipline and structure from their dad. And they generally learn empathy and compassion and things like that from their mom. And when you take one of those figures out of the home, your, your childhood upbringing gets more difficult. Yes, there are single-parent families that kids turned out fine. Yes, there are, you know, dual-parent families where the kids are all messed up. But it is less likely to turn out well when you have a one-parent home. It just, it just is. That's a scientific thing. And I'm not talking about divorce. I'm talking about you didn't grow up with mom or dad, you know. Right. It just it. It makes it worse. Again, divorce is a different thing. The two parents are still around. You may split your time, but you still have that influence in your life. You know. Right. I want to move on to something completely different here. All right. Uh, so in Minnesota or Minneapolis here, we have the Derek Chauvin trial. The the what? The police officer that kneeled on the neck of St. George Floyd. I didn't hear anything about this. Yeah. So they're doing, uh, they're getting the jury um, figured out. They're... Um, Which is a joke, people. by the way. Have you seen the interviews of this I stuff? I did not. But, I mean, I, this this guy's not going to get 
from what I've heard, it's very difficult going to be very difficult to get um, somebody who's not biased against him on that jury pool. I think he's going to wind up with the manslaughter charge. I don't even think they're going to get third degree. I don't. There. I don't think he should get the manslaughter charge. I don't think he should either. But especially when you read the coroner's report that the guy had three times the amount of fentanyl in his body, they should. Um, and, and and a heart condition, and he had just re- uh, recovered from COVID. The, which... the Daily Mail, the British newspaper. Uh, put up the whole video of what happened. And there's a point where it's very obvious George Floyd knows something bad is happening to him before he's on the ground with Chauvin's knee on his neck. And he's he's obviously panicked about something. What do they call that uh, that state where you realize you're dying or whatever? Yeah. Um, plus, he had a bad heart. I mean, he's got well, a, Even one of the officers asked him when he was sitting in his car, they said, why are you foaming at the mouth? Yeah. Well, that's a sign of... Um, you know, heart distress or respiratory distress. Yeah. And apparently the two guys in the car with him got out and said, Hey, here's our ID. That guy's on something. Well, even the person that called the police for him passing that the fraudulent bill said, yeah, the guy seemed like he was on something. Yeah. So I I've been watching. The coroner said he had lethal amounts of fentanyl in his system. Also he had methamphetamine in his system. Yeah. He had a bunch of stuff. Um, PCP too, I think. But, and the coroner also said, if I had found this guy, if you would have found this guy by himself in his apartment, we would have said it was an overdose. Yeah. But the part that there's two parts about the jury uh, selection that worry me. One, your point about I don't think he's going to get a fair trial. They've asked the defense has asked who's doing a great job, by the way, this Eric Nelson, because um, he's by himself. You know, he doesn't have this cadre of lawyers and jury specialists or jury selection specialists with him. Uh, but he's asked people, do you worry about if you render a not guilty verdict that the city will burn? And they're like, yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is their town. This and, is why this has to be. Not only else. are they worried that the city will burn, they're worried that they will be targeted and well, doxxed. That's, that's my second point. So just recently, within the last couple of days, they are, they are arresting two people who killed someone down in uh, St. George Floyd Square. Yeah. Which they haven't been doing at all. The cops haven't been going in there. But the city council starting to get a bunch of pressure from residents within there and everything. So they will not tell you that the gender or the race of these people. And they haven't been booked yet. They've been arrested, but they haven't been charged yet. So they've been released, uh, from what I understand. Um, or they're in, in custody waiting charges. Uh, regardless, they won't tell you the gender or race of these people, but the jury pool, the jury pool reporter will sit there and say, yeah, juror number two is a uh, middle-aged man from uh, Elk River, Minnesota, who works in the textile field. And I mean, you can hear the guy's voice. Yeah. The the doxing is not going to be that an issue for finding out who these jurors are. If I was in that jury pool, I would say, look, before you ask me any questions, I will do whatever it takes to not be on this jury. If you tell me I have to say that, you know, cops are evil pigs and they did it all or that uh, George Floyd deserved what he had coming, whatever. Tell me what I got to say to get kicked off of this because I'm not going to have my house burned down, Yeah, you know, because maybe I find the guy not guilty, you know. I, and I, I was thinking about this. I think on principle, I'd want to be in that jury. I would want to be on it, too, because I don't think Derek Chauvin killed uh, George Floyd, but. There are plenty of times in my life that I thought I knew something and the evidence has told me something Same here. else. And so I would feel a responsibility to be on there. 
but I also wouldn't want to be on it because I know what's going to happen. I served on a jury for a crime that was it was uh, terroristic threats. And I, I, my mind was changed. I initially thought one thing, and during the course of, of hearing the evidence, my I changed my mind. Look, you're making that story up because we know you weren't on a jury. You were in the court. When you're sitting there and the judge is talking to you. As you know, a friend of get, a friend. And you got a lawyer next to you, you're not on the jury. The friend of a friend. No, that's the defendant. Um, but yeah, I think even with this case, initially I thought it looked bad. I'm like, I, I actually watched it and I felt bad for George Floyd. And I thought, well, get off his neck, asshole. Stop it. You know, I, initially I thought he was being a prick and, and didn't need to have his neck, his knee on his neck. And then you get more and more evidence and you go, okay, well, I see. I see what's happening here. You know, you start getting swayed and that's normal for somebody. I, I think he's not guilty. And I also think he was being a prick. I think you can do both. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think his attitude was, was, uh, was kind of prickish, but on the other hand, the fact that they have to deal with these, with this kind of shit all the time, you know, that's going to happen. I mean, you got a cop on the. Uh who's been on that beat down there for 19 years being told what an asshole cops are. Here's the thing. He probably wanted to tell those people to fuck off. Yeah. And he tried to remain professional by, you know, keeping his mouth shut. Yeah. But he just, I mean, the way he sits there and looks at him, like he can't yeah, fucking well, touch even me. like, well, I don't want to get into the details. No, I just, but... I, I think it's possible to think he's an asshole and think that he's not guilty. Oh, I can even think that, yeah, the guy had had a bad day or the guy had a bad month. Yeah. Shouldn't have been there because he's probably overworked, overstressed. You can empathize with him at that point, and or you can think that he's just a monster and was looking to kill black people. Which is more likely. Yeah, of course. But again, and I'm not saying this because of the color of the people or the region he's in, cops in general have to generally deal with the worst of society on a much more frequent basis than the normal person does. And that just... You can see what it does to a person after a while. Yeah. You know? I mean, when you pull somebody over for going too fast or something, your heart's got to be racing when you walk up in that car. You don't know what you're going to find, especially when it's dark. You know? Yeah. So that's that's a terrible job to be in. And the guy's been, he's got a city council, and in the past, uh, before Arredondo, hadn't had a police chief that was helping them out at all. Certainly didn't have a mayor that was helping him out or a city council. And you're dealing with those shitty people all day long? Ugh. Well, and then you were talking about George Floyd Square, which is a cop no-go zone. And it's basically um, taken over by militants with weapons. Who don't allow the media in. Yeah, the media, not even in. Outside of the barricades of the actual George Floyd Square, if media shows up, these pricks show up and threaten that they're going to cause them harm. Or yeah, there was gonna... a reporter from a newspaper in Miami who yeah. showed up to do that. And these assholes stroll up and they go, it's going to get real bad real fast for you if you don't leave. Yeah. Um, fuck you. I, I would love to see like two van loads of SWAT guys just pour out and just fuck them up. I wonder what would happen if you could fly a drone around over there. You think someone would take a shot at it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they should. I mean, yeah. I, I'd do it. Yeah. Um, we're getting close to time here, but I really want, I wanted to, <laughs> one story real quick. Okay. This is from redstate.com. Bigots. Supreme Court Chief Justice Roberts has has been highly disconcerting. And uh, Why'd it, you have to go there? Uh, uh, so... You're going to tell me uh, Dan Crenshaw likes kick, kicks puppies now or something? This person writes, uh, most recently, he was so far out there, uh, everyone in the court ruled the correct way except him. 
Uh, Roberts alone in dissent as Supreme Court backed students in a religious speech case. The Supreme Court on Monday revived a former student's lawsuit against the college that blocked his evangelizing on campus with Chief Justice John Roberts Jr. apparently for the first time in his 16-year tenure casting a lone dissenting vote. So if anything, this article goes on to state, Roberts is getting worse. When Justice Clarence Thomas and Sonia Sotomayor agree with each other, and disagree with you, perhaps you should consider just how far from the path you've strayed. Attempting to read anyone's mind is foolhardy, but one can make educated guesses, predicting upon consistent patterns of one's personal behavior. The problem with Roberts, too, is, is his utter inconsistency. His rulings have no ideological through line. It's as if he hears a case, retires to his chamber, and throws a dart at a board. <laughs> I just like that line. Well, I, I read this one to the degree that I could, because this case is so long, but I think... This is my only very feeble attempt to be the dissenting vote in the Roberts sucks, and I'm doing it half-heartedly because I'm, I'm having a harder time being on this guy's side. I've thought in the past that he was trying to steer the court politically kind of down the middle and not step on the landmines, but he's outvoted 8-1 to one on this, and his reasoning in it seems to be very, very thin, which, uh, from what I understand in reading it, he's saying yeah, okay, this student should is going to sue the college now, but the standard by which we're saying it is any, uh, it, it's something about like significant damage. And he goes, the term is very cloudy. So someone could just say they've been damaged. And so he seems to be trying to call for it to be a more specific kind of. And that's the, what you've been saying all along about him is that he's trying to get like it out of the court's hands and back to the legislature and say, do you guys just need to clear up what you're. Yeah. But it just seems like I've said this phrase before, which you laughed at is he's just trying to be too clever by half. He just wants to prove how intellectual and, and smart he is about the law. And he wants to do it in a way that people go, Oh, I didn't think about that. That's pretty clever. He, he is intellectual and smart. He does know the law really well. He does bring up ways that you have to go. Well, I didn't think about it. What he raises in here is a good point. However, when you're outvoted eight to one by people all the way across the spectrum from Thomas to Sotomayor and Kagan, you have to just go, shit, everybody's in agreement on this one. Maybe there's something wrong with my reasoning. And I understand what he's trying to say. Um, and I understand that he may be kicking this back to the legislature going, you need to put a number on this. I think courts have to put the number on it. I think this has to go to a court and a judge can say that's not a significant amount of damage. Well, it's the same it's the same issue I had with the what which state was it that tried to sue because the it they tried to sue because another state changed the election um laws um unconstitutionally. Texas, yeah. And they'd sued saying that this is affecting us because we are Yeah, th and, and they said you don't have and, standing. And they say you don't have standing. It's like, but then they'll never have standing because they, the the way they were doing it, they, they gave them such a, 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 a tight set of stipulations about how they could, how and when they could file for this. It means it could never be done. Well, I don't disagree with you. Um, that's not all on Roberts because you need yeah, yeah. you no. need four justices, yeah, I think, I, no, to absolutely. say they're taking yeah. it. But Thomas brought up a good point a few weeks ago where he said we should see these cases. I'd like to see these cases. But he said, in effect, we can't see these cases. He's saying, going forward, we have to have it fixed. We can't retroactively go back. And he was, I'm paraphrasing. Um, but what would happen if we overturned the election at this point? 
What would happen to the country if we suddenly said, no, Biden's not president. Trump is. There's going to be fighting in the streets. But this could be done without overturning the election. And it could still say we need to fix this so so that it can't be construed one way or the other without making it retroactively affect the presidency. I, I think from what I read of Thomas's statement on that, I don't think he can. Okay. So I think they just have to say, look, shenanigans. What happened before, not going to happen again. But it can. That's the thing. And states are, but states are starting to work it out. Okay. And so keep in mind that states are starting to work it out to the fact that the the Democrat states are making it even easier to to make shenanigans happen. Right. But keep in mind that 30 or 31 of the states are run by Republican legislatures. Yeah. So, I mean, Georgia is fixing this. Minnesota is making it easier to fucking fuck with the election. You're right. Minnesota is making it easier. I'm sure California will make it easier. Texas isn't. Pennsylvania isn't. Georgia isn't. So. I, I do believe these things are going to work themselves out. What I what I think the left doesn't understand is, and this is something that in the Ronald Reagan, Tipper Gore era, even though those are not Tipper Gore, Tipper, Tip O'Neill, I got him confused with Al Gore's wife, former wife. Um, Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan were diametrically opposed to each other, but they worked stuff out, you know? And it's Reagan's famous line about, would you rather have half a loaf or no loaf? You're not going to get everything you want. The problem right now is everybody's, they want the whole loaf. Everybody isn't going to compromise at all. And what's going to happen is we're going to have this get sorted out on, you know, narrow margins for a while. And then finally, whichever side is pulling hardest, and I think right now it's the left, is going to lose. And I think that's why Karl Rove engineered a win for George Bush based on the uh, gay marriage thing alone. Because he managed to boil it down to, hey, look. If uh, if you elect, I think it was John Kerry at the time, you're going to have gay marriage. Are you cool with that? Because you better decide now. And that wasn't true, but people started saying, well, I don't know if I'm against it. I just don't know if I'm for it. So I And they went one way with it. And I think that's where we're going to get to. You just have so much extremism on the left that people are going to get tired of it because yeah. they're already starting to. But the, the left is the, are the ones that aren't willing to take that half a loaf, whereas it seems like the Republicans right. are more than happy to, to give up three quarters. But it's that it's that thing about the fire that burns brightest burns half as long. Nope. And they just can't keep this pace up. But the Republicans are making it happen longer because they are giving in. So we've got like Merrick Garland uh, uh, being confirmed as um, the uh, attorney general, right? Yeah, but I'm, I mean, some of those things you can't stop. They want. You can't stop. But they didn't have uh, 20, 20 or 30 Republicans didn't have to vote for him. He still would have got in. But the the fact that they and this guy, his, his number one goal when he gets in is to prosecute white supremacy. No, I, I get that. And I don't I don't disagree fully. But you have to think about some of these states. And I'm not talking I'm going past politicians thinking about themselves and thinking more about their office. You know, a senator in Kansas which is thought of as a conservative state, but it goes back and forth. If you get stuck not voting for someone like that, and that causes you to lose to a Republican or a Democrat, that's going to throw the balance off in the Senate even more. So sometimes I think these people just, Susan Collins in Maine is a perfect example. You know, that state is 90% red, except for the, you know, a couple big cities in it that are run by Democrats. And so if Susan Collins gets too far out there, they're going to run her out. And now we've got a Democrat in that spot. So sometimes I think they have to think like that. And, you know, it, there used to be a point in politics, and this is pre-Barack Obama, where before he started with his elections have consequences, he's not wrong. 
But there used to be sort of a compromise. It's like you won, you want to appoint your justices, unless they're terrible, we're not, we're going to, you know, you won. There was that sense of fairness. But it's with when uh, Biden did his thing with Bork and, you know, Obama being an asshole. I think that's where this all started. And that's where we are now. We're just so polarized. It's hard to get anything done. Well, I still think that the the left at this point are, are still pretty, I mean, even though you've got your factions, like your socialist factions, um, they're still relatively unified, um, at least on the national scale. Uh, I, I don't think they are. I think the fact that Biden is president is proof that they aren't. Okay. Because who who were the people leading that before? The last Sanders. two elections, Sanders and Warren was showing well. Amy Klobuchar was showing well. Pete Buttigieg was showing well. And corporate America looked around in that election and the one before that in corporate America. I'm talking very, very rich, white, elite liberals who went, we can't have this fucking guy doing this. So get him out. And that's what's happening in the left right now. They're, we're not hearing about their fights because the media doesn't want to talk about it. But the rich white leftists are fighting the AOC crowd for control. Yeah. What Did you hear about this just recently? The one legislature, one state, was it a city? I shouldn't even bring it up because I don't remember. Where basically the whole, the whole all the seats were taken over by uh, socialists. And the rest, yep. the rest of the Democrats, Arizona. Did, okay, and they all, it, all the Democrats said, "Fuck this, we're out." It wasn't the seats; it was the leadership positions. Okay, we're taking I'm over. Glad the you know more than and I And the staff, the Democrat Party staff in Arizona, all quit. Yeah, and this is what I'm talking about. AOC represents the hardcore left. Um, uh, Andrew Cuomo represents the, you know, the. Uh, the elite liberal, the, uh, yeah, the coronated um, elite uh, liberal, limousine liberal, long term. Yeah. I mean, his dad probably, if he'd wanted to be president, probably could have run instead of Barack Obama, kind of, you know, or John Kerry. The limousine liberals versus the radical left, and they're slugging it out. I mean, AOC is leading the charge to get Cuomo thrown out. Yeah. You you wouldn't see that, and you wouldn't see it on the right because when John King from. Uh, Iowa said, you know, hey, what's wrong with being a white nationalist? The Republican Party went, all right, go sit in a corner. And they didn't need someone to go, what are you going to do about this guy? They go, we already did it. We took him off his committees. We made him sit in a corner. Fuck off. And now you've got Nancy Pelosi and her group trying to get uh, an Iowa uh, representative turned over because they said, you know, we, we got to overturn that election. It was only by six votes. And there's 22 votes he didn't count. You know, it's okay. It's okay there, but it's not okay to look at the other stuff. Yeah. So they're just shitty people. That's all there is to it. On that note, if you want to get in contact with us, shitty people here. Yeah, I was gonna say because we're shitty people too. <laughs> email is rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com or check us out on the Facebook page, Bread and Circuses Podcast. See you, bye.